everybody, welcome to the Movie Freaks Pod Show, the only podcast on the net that follows the entire cast of Star Trek Voyager on Twitter. I'm Eric Marner. I'm Eugene Weaver. And as I always say, we have a giant show for you, uh, and this time is no exception. We have a massive show for you. Much like last time, we're just going to get right into it because uh, I have so many things to get to. I didn't think I'd get a chance to watch as much as I did uh, since yeah. our last pod, but I Netflix kept adding cool stuff, and I kept staying up late and watching it. Um, yeah. So let's start with the movie roulette. Last week, last pod, uh, we did another blind, and I picked uh, Blood Surf, and you picked Rage. And I'm going to let you go first, because I have a long review for this movie. So I'm going to let you go first, then I'll take over, and then after that we'll get right into stuff we've seen recently, because that's going to spin off into a whole other thing, because there's movies we've both seen and are going to disagree on. And then there's, yes. some, that, yes. there's some that we are very much going to agree on. So. Yes. Uh, uh, okay, well, I'll start with my movie, um, Rage, which, which incidentally stars the actor Nicholas Rage. So <laughs> Nicholas, that worked out really, really Nick, good. Nicholas Rage um, Cage. <laughs> yes, Rage Cage. Um, yeah, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> not, not. Uh, back to you. Your turn. <laughs> you know, no, really, if you want to roll with that, I. <laughs> I'll just a, a brief synopsis. It's basically uh, taken, uh, but not good. Um, it's just, I, I think that Nicholas Cage tried to do the best he could with what he was given. Um, but it was just the entire way through. It just had this, this cheap feel to it. The acting felt like acting and you can just tell when a movie has actors that are acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this one here, the basically it's taken and I'm, I might spoil it. Who cares? I, I you shouldn't watch it cause it's not good. Uh, but it all turns around to be a, uh, oh, how do I say it? it more, more or less a um, uh, children shouldn't play with guns type of thing, sort of, kind mm. of, and gun regulation type of thing, sort of, kind of, in a stupid way. Uh, and then the credits roll, and it's got the weirdest scene during the credits rolling. I'm like, what? This is like... Ah, oh, this is dumb. What is going on? So there, now I'm done. Okay, that's all. That's all the amount of breath I want to spend on it. Uh, how the mighty, I say how the mighty have fallen. But I, was Nicolas Cage ever mighty? Uh, he's an Oscar winner. Yes. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, and he has a few gems in his uh, rough. He has a lot of rough. Um, yes. But there was that movie he was in, Joe. I'm not sure if that's out yet. Uh, but that was supposed to be getting really good reviews. Oh. Genuinely good reviews. Um, yeah. and, see, and I actually I like the the crazy Nick Cage, um, like from the Ghost Rider series. I'm cool with. I mean, he's nuts, and those movies are are just they're broken, but they're enjoyable. This was just this felt like a Steven Seagal, like you know, has been Steven Seagal type thing. Direct to like, video, oh, yeah. Well, isn't that good? And that Witch Hunter movie he was in not long ago that was pretty. Just, I enjoyed yeah, that. That may have was that like his last big theatrical movie. I think Ghost Rider was after that. Okay, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, but 
He still has it in him. I still root for the guy, even though the majority of the stuff he puts out is is bad. It's like he's he's got some bad IRS issues or something. I don't know. <laughs> he takes every job possible, and that uh, reboot of Left Behind looks atrocious. Oh, I know, painfully the, yeah, bad. The thing is, like, he's in too many. He's in too many of these cheapies, and he almost as is now typecast as oh, he's that. Steven Seagal type dude that's now in all sorts of direct to Netflix cheapies that it just he doesn't say no he just does everything I, know. I guess and eh, whatever every yeah. now and then there there is a there is one of uh, his rough that's okay or good so keep yeah. going man I guess as long as you can get work God bless you yep there you go so back to you oh okay now I have pages literally pages upon pages of review for Blood Surf. And in, I, I'm not even going to give you a synopsis because um, nobody really needs to watch this movie. And since I endured it, I figured I'm going to take a lot of notes and I'm going to walk you through and tell you the entire story beginning to end. That way you can enjoy it because this is partially your fault. <laughs> okay, let's start at the very beginning. I wish I had some uh, music to put under here, but... YouTube doesn't like that, and from now on, we're not going to be having any more good music. I'm actually writing some uh, intro and outro music for our crappy little show um, so that I don't have to worry about any more of these stupid copyright issues on, on uh, you know, for our three listeners that we're not making any money on. So irritating. Anyway, that's another story. But yeah, Blood Surf is from uh, 2000, uh, but looks like it should be from 1981. So far, so good. So Next note. I, I, this is opening credits, by the way. Uh, it's in full frame, so oh, you can good. enjoy that on Netflix, yes. Okay. Uh, so you essentially watch the VHS pretty much. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, opening credits font indicates that this was made for TV in 2000. Okay, next note. Uh, in the opening, they're flying in to wherever it is that they're going, our crew. They're taking a plane, water plane, and landing somewhere with some islands, whatever. Uh, and my note says, where are they? Many accents, exotic flyover islands, looks like they landed in a lake. And it's all intercut with stock footage. So, so they're flying in, and it looks like they're flying over exotic islands, but then it looks like they land in a, in a lake. And, like, the watercolors aren't even the same. At one moment, you see big crashing waves. Next moment, it's just glass flat. Nothing. Okay. Next note. And uh, with our many accents, I'm talking about our crew in this tiny single-engine plane. There's, like, four or five people that are our main group, and... Uh -huh just different accents all across the board. And they land, and they go talk to some people, and they have an accent, and then they go to other people that are locals, supposedly, and they have a different accent. So I have no idea where this movie took place. Uh, next note. Extreme! On three-foot waves. Because some of the surfers jump out of the plane, like, well, you know, as the plane is, is getting up to the dock, they're like, they jump out, and we can beat you to shore. And then they put in the surf music that's real cheesy. And they're like, yeah, extreme. And they're riding literally three-foot ankle slappers. Just these tiny little waves they're just riding. Okay. <laughs> One of our characters is a has his hair dyed blonde. Uh, and very much, you can tell he's not blonde. Uh, I call him uh, Mountain Dew Surfer. And my okay. note says, he can't die soon enough. 
He is the most <laughs> aggravating character you've ever seen in your life. He's always just like, yeah, dude, extreme, ooh, let's go do it, ooh. And that, okay, I shouldn't jump ahead. Okay, okay. Next note. <clears throat> they go to a bar, and uh, they meet a, I call him a local roughneck. He's your local gruff Han Solo-y type. Uh, you know, I'm from around here, and I got a boat, and I do things, and I got, you know, a goatee. And his name is Dirk. And that's not the name I'm giving him to be funny. That's his name in the movie. Dirk, yes. So they go to Dirk and ask him to take him to this island where there's it, that's known for sharks because they want to go surf with the sharks to make this documentary video. Uh, he won't help them surf around Shark Island. He says no because they're crazy. So his girlfriend, while they're at this bar, uh, goes up to the bar, leans over, flips a switch, turns on the worst techno you've ever heard in your life, and starts dancing to it all crazy and flipping her hair and going crazy. And all the locals and, and the people are watching just like, whoa, yeah, yeah. And she's dancing all by herself. No one else. It's just all by her lonesome. And this in turn pisses off Dirk. And therefore he agrees to help them find their way to Shark Island. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. This just happens. You're going to endure all of this. Another <laughs> note, we are now 15 minutes into the movie. Um, so they go on a boat. Waves calm as a lake. They start chumming, chum, over the side of the boat to attract sharks. Uh, cut to ocean cam. Big surf waves crashing in. And then they have this underwater camera that's all stock footage. And that's clear as blue that you can see 20 feet. But when they're on the boat, completely flat. And they're literally insinuating that just off the side of this boat, there's huge waves and they're riding them. Completely flat, and from the surface, you can't see five feet into the water. It's so murky and dark. Um, so then they're wanting to attract the sharks more while they're out there surfing. So they take a giant buoy knife and cut the tops of their feet so that they bleed so that the sharks come around them while they surf. Oh, my Lord. Okay. <laughs> um, uh. At this point, the sharks start coming in. And next note. The stock, the, the stock footage sharks or real? like? No, not even. This is Jaws 3 lameness. They literally have sharks with no fins that don't move. And you can tell this is old school blue screen where the shark is moving. Model, no fins, whatever. And th they also intercut that with super fake CGI. I mean, but this was 2000 CGI, so um, they'll be on their boards, and he's like, you better get your feet out of the water, bro, and then a fin will just shoot right between the two of them when they're literally two feet apart. And the guy's like, whoa! <laughs> okay, next page. We are now 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> okay, uh, next note. Again, lots of intercutting to stock footage, even when it doesn't make sense. So they'll be mid-conversation on the boat. Hmm, what do you think about that? Do you think they're getting any good shots? And then there's a shark cut uh, underwater, totally fake, couple of fish, and then cut back to conversation. It doesn't even make sense. It was like, what? <sighs> so they all go on to Shark Island to, like, hang out. We're now 30 minutes in. 
and the one guy goes out to paddle a little bit more just for fun and a shark near him explodes there's an explosion out of the water kaboom and everybody on shore goes huh and then goes on about their business like giant oh. uh, 30 foot water plume blood guts and everybody's just like oh wow did you see that out there in the water that's crazy I wish you go explore the island let's go let's go explore the island yeah of course they hooked up with a couple of locals uh, the the girl filming um, our I should uh, our crew we have two surfers one is Mountain Dew surfer guy other guy plucky hero who's looks just gay beautiful um, <laughs> not a hair on his body um, the uh, beautiful woman who is our videographer who's filming all this and then dorky director that she's dating setting the stage don't want it want oh, everybody course, on the same yes. page of course they picked up a local hot chick along the way they, they, they show well, for yeah. mr mountain dew guys got to have a girl so that we should go explore the island okay now we have intercuts of bad horrible bad sets that are tiny uh rocks and vines and little creeks and what have you um of course this nature hike gives us time to go have some sex and uh, of course, affords us more opportunity to intercut stock animal footage. Now we have stock monkeys and oh. parrots and birds are wah 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 just running around all over the place. Um, surfer guy gets into some natural hot spring with local girl who she says, "My dad would be so mad at me." And he's like, "Why? You're 18, right?" She's like, "Duh, I'm 19." And then they kind of gratuitous sex scene and then she admits that no she is in fact 16 ha ha and he's like oh and he's like what's the legal age here ha ha it's real funny you see <clears throat> we're now 35 minutes into the film at this point i start imd being in hopes that none of these people have ever worked again <laughs> and i went through the cast and crew looking and to my joy most of them have never worked again, or if they have, it's very limited. And it's all equal uh, quality. Junk, yeah. Yes. Uh, next note, Ninja Gator. Apparently this gator is 30, 35 feet long, but yet can sneak up on anybody. I watch a lot of wildlife stuff, and gators don't sneak up on anybody when they're charging through the jungle and when they're 30 feet long and weigh three tons or whatever. You know, ridiculous. Um, at this point, I think they just ripped a production company to get a free vacation and said we'll make a movie. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. Uh, next note. Rubber Gator Paw, Halloween store, $5.99. Because you see that slap down a few times. Close up on the ground, Gator Paw. Next shot. And it's the fakest rubber gator paw you've ever seen in your life. Uh, then they were on a dock. And they're like, what's that in the water? Oh no, run away. And so they all start running back towards land. And next note, I'm pretty sure the gator has a grenade launcher. Because the dock just explodes. Dynamite, fireballs, exploding all over the place. Everybody gets away fine. And we don't see the gator. So they had some pyrotechnics then? Yes. <laughs> We're 45 minutes in now. Um, our little group steal a pirate boat. Don't ask. Um, 
as they're escaping, the pirates from land shoot at them with machine guns, which knocks over a lantern. This creates a small three-foot fire on a triple-decker boat. Our crew's instant reaction when trying to escape this gator that was ripping pirates off the boat and escaping the pirates who are shooting machine guns, when they see this tiny fire, their instant reaction is to all dive overboard. Abandon ship. Just jump overboard. Forget it. Okay. I, I was... I was, I was like, what? Are you, what? <laughs> I'll take my chances with the fire. Uh, but luckily, Dirk comes to their rescue. Of course. Pulls them out of the water. And the entire boat explodes giant fireballs all over the place. Because boats do that. Next note. The only way this would be tolerable is no less than three friends and a drinking game. <laughs> Oh, then the big twist of the movie. Dirk hunts oh. saltwater crocodiles. Ooh. Hey, so instead of taking him back to instead hey. of taking him back to land, he takes him back to Shark Island Pirate Croc Cove, which by my estimation is where they already were. But it took him all night to get back there. I couldn't I didn't I couldn't understand that at all but then they all woke up in the morning refreshed and they were headed for Shark Island I don't know. Um it also took me a while a couple of Oh. Sorry, text message Jabba. Um oh. <laughs> Uh it also took me a few days to get through this film because it was deplorable. So, here we are, day three, 30 minutes left. Uh, at this point, we're in the third act, and they start using 1980s miniatures. With the crocodile swimming underwater towards sharks, toward the boat, when it was rocking in the ocean and headed for the cove with the uh -huh. shallow water. Um, I, it, was, it was horrific. I, 1950s miniatures, sir, they were that bad. Where you're looking at it and going, that that's... a tiny little boat and they're just like up close in the camera it was oh it was so bad um so dirk says i'm going to kill this gator because apparently it took out one of his boats before so he is you know it's blood surf the revenge and yep. he's got to get this thing so he's chumming the water and they decide let's capture it on film yeah that'll be better than our shocks our shark surfing documentary so, as soon as they see the croc behind them, they start shooting harpoons at it. The girl with the camera jumps in the water. Why? Why can't you... Why? You're in broad daylight. You can see the thing. It's ten feet off your boat. You... <laughs> nope. Uh, more terrible miniatures, but at least Mr. Dew is finally dead. Okay, uh, good. Next yeah. note. Worst boat miniature ever. I, I keep making this note because it just gets worse and worse. Um, okay. Finally, the thing busts into the bottom of the boat and is Dirk is forced to fight him hand to hand and he gets bit in half while he's hanging from a pole perhaps he should have stepped three feet to the left instead of trying to battle the croc with his shoes because that's what he does wide open oh, cool. space he could and the thing was trapped he could have just stepped three feet to the left and been fine instead he hangs on this bar and starts kicking at it wildly 
and the thing grabs him and bites him in half. Good. Shockingly, the girl with the giant boobs has survived. Good. Fifteen minutes left. Let's throw in, they get back to the island, since the boat is sunk. They're now running around the bad island sets again, intercut with more lizards and birds and stock footage. Uh, let's throw in a Temple of Doom bridge for no good reason whatsoever. Oh, but sounds interesting, though. Yeah, nothing nothing comes of it. That just oh, here's okay. this rickety bridge, and we go across it, and a person falls and grabs onto the... the just like Temple of Doom. And pulls themselves up, and they get across, and it's okay. Uh, note, this guy must love Spielberg, but hate film school. <laughs> okay, um... Hmm. Oh yes, I I forgot about this wonderful scene. The uh, local girl and the uh, camera girl uh, get separated, and they're on their own, trying to get through the island. They remember Dirk telling them that this saltwater croc can't go into this into water that has a, so much of this chemical. So they quickly jump in this water while they're being pursued by the rubber foot that keeps slapping down every now and then. So they jump into the pond, and the thing comes to the edge of the pond and looks at him and looks at him, and so they taunt him to try and get him to come into the pond. And the way they taunt him is by grabbing their breasts and shaking them at him. Okay. Okay. And then afterwards they quip, that's what I call croc-teasing. Ah! Yeah. Yeah, they did that for that joke. So okay. They stood there and <laughs> grabbed their boobs and yeah. shook them so that they could say it was crock. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, this is grueling listening to this. <laughs> Maybe you should try watching it. Then we have a small scene of levity where things calm down for a hair. Uh, Dirk's, they run in, uh, they get, uh, I forgot, the local girl actually died. It was Dirk's girlfriend that they were, that were, Dirk's girlfriend and the camera girl they were running around with. Um, Dirk's girlfriend admits he that he won her in a dart game and then says, quote, he's the first man to treat me like I wasn't just a doll to dress up and play with. Okay. What? That doesn't make any sense at all. She... Uh... <sighs> Dirk's girlfriend bites it when kicking a supposedly dead croc. So they think they killed it, and she goes up and starts kicking it a whole bunch. Kick, kick, kick. Kick, kick, kick. Suddenly it springs back to life and chomps her, and she dies. No way. Is there... Is the special effects, like, the... It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. Everything's horrible. This is horrible. Direct-to-video <laughs> direct 2000. That means that this would have still been available on VHS. Yeah. <sighs> Shockingly, this is my uh, this is my final note. Shockingly, Mr. Gay Model and Big Tits survive while Miniature Croc gets impaled, and they learn a lesson about life and love. Surf music <laughs> and credits. Oh. <laughs> So your final score? <laughs> oh my god. Take up drinking. That is my final score on that movie. 
<laughs> I don't even know how to score that. One, one, I guess. I there are movies I hated slightly more. I I, uh, I hated. I hate hate hated it beyond hate. And because of that, I asked you politely, no blind roulette this week. I need a week off of the garbage surf. I'm doing enough garbage hunting on my own. I need something that you think is a genuinely good movie. So let's make our picks for the next round. And I okay. I have a Blu-ray for you. Uh, unless you were looking for something to watch with the wife, I have a DVD. Um, that would be good for that. Uh, but if you're okay. looking for something for yourself, Blu-ray, big screen, I have that as well. I'll let you pick. Okay. Okay, so who should go first? I could use a break of the tongue lashing. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so I came up with, um, there's three categories, and I, I'm, I'm going to let you pick which category. I, I like doing the categories. Okay. And the first, the first one is they're Netflix movies, um, and they're ones that I haven't seen, but they're ones that, that I have heard have gotten decent enough reviews. Uh, and I've, I've heard of them. It's, no, there's nothing like Blood Surf. Okay. Uh, so that's that's round one. Round two is, and now now from here on out, I've seen everything, and I get a thumbs up, but you know me, and you know my taste. So the second batch is Italian horror, and the third batch is recent horror. So I'm on a horror kick, so that's going to be... That's fine. I am too. Italian horror, please. Italian horror? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, there is nothing that you can give me that is worse than this shit I just watched. I want something, but as long as it's something you've seen, and you don't even have no. to be you don't, you don't even have to be selling me a masterpiece. You sell me just oh thumbs up. I think you might give it a six. Okay, well now now when you you picked Italian horror. Italian horror for the most part. Now we're talking about spaghetti slashery type. These are cheesy things I, I, from the late seventies, early eighties. I don't care. So, I don't care. That's your final pick, okay? Because yeah. okay, so um, the choices are, and I actually put one. There's one that I think you you may or may not have watched. I'm not sure. So I uh, I included an extra one just in case. Um, first one is called Burial Ground: The Nights of Terror. <laughs> I love that movie, but it is as Z grade as you can possibly get. But it is a, a blast. Give me that. Give me a synopsis uh, on that. Um, uh, a group of horrible Italian actors are stuck in a mansion, and zombies come to kill them. And it's from 1981 or 82. And is I love it. Is there an it's, hour of buildup before anything happens? Um. It's so nonsensical, but it's it's good. It's one of those good nonsensical. Like I've watched it oh probably close to ten times now. I love it. It's great. It's it's so bizarro, bizarro. Like it's pieces bad. I guess that's the closest okay. thing I could think. Okay. Okay. Um, second up is uh, a movie from uh, I'm not sure if you would know him, but he's a he's an Italian trash director. His name's uh, Jess Franco. And he he made a movie called Beyond the Darkness. Okay. And that's about a uh, a mortician whose uh, whose girlfriend slash fiance dies, and he starts killing chicks to in the hopes of of bringing her back to life or something kind of maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and he lives with a very creepy sister. 
So okay. another one that is bad, but but an enjoyable. Oh, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and now now the last two, um, the one you have on VHS, but I'm not sure if you've ever watched it. Um, and the version that you have on VHS, I gave you. And it's um, the Americanized version, but I have the uh, the Italian version. And the version you have is called Doctor Butcher, M.D. I have watched that. Okay, I watched the, the VHS the, copy. I think, okay. or no, you know what? You might have. I might have borrowed that off you. I'm pretty sure I watched that in good quality. At any rate, I've seen it. So give me the first. Okay. Give me the first one. The, the haunted. What was that? The haunted mansion uh, one. Well, okay. Well, if you've seen that, then I'm going to give you the, the third choice then, because that that negates that one then. Okay. Okay. So then the third choice, and I know that you haven't seen this one. It's called Night of the Devils. Um, mm. little scene, but very cool. Now that one there would be more not as Italian cheesy. That's more of a serious ish type. I've seen it two times now, and I I do enjoy it. It's um. Uh, it's very trippy, uh, Italian. Uh, that one there is really hard for me to, to explain. Uh, it's That's one of those where you just kind of need to see it. Okay. Uh, that one there, though, uh, there is actually some artistic merit to that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the other two are, I mean, the other two are complete, utter grindhouse movies. The third one has a little bit more... Panache. Uh, so yeah, um, so here you go. Now again, you might hate all of them, but you know what? You, that's I, what I love you Italian cinema, the old school Italian spaghetti westerns, and the old school spaghetti horror movies. So keep that in mind. That's fine. I'll take the. I'll t- give me the first one. What was that? The haunted mansion or something? Burial ground. The Bur- Knights of Terror. Burial ground. Okay. Because <laughs> what else are knights? Yes. <laughs> now seriously, it is. Hilarious. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Uh, and then for you, did you want uh, Blu-ray, or did you want one for you and the wife? Um, I would say Blu-ray. Okay. If we're gonna do Blu-ray trades, let's do blue, let's do uh, Blu-ray. Then for you, I have uh, a recent film, and since you are going all Italian, I don't have any problem giving this to you. While it's called The American with George Clooney, it is one of the most Italian films uh, I've seen recently. It, it ha- very much has the feel of a 70s Italian film. That it's, it, it, this is not taken, this is not a fast-paced action movie. Yeah. Um, and the first time I saw it in theaters, it, uh, this thing has gotten pretty bad reviews. And then I look on the front of the cover, four stars, gripping, Roger Ebert. So I'm not the only one that likes this movie. But the first time I saw it in theaters, I really liked it. Um, and I thought, well, maybe my expectations were so low because it was getting such bad reviews. And then I picked up the Blu-ray super cheap and watched it again. I was like, man, I really like this movie. It just It's shot just gorgeous. Um, it's pretty heavy R, I mean, as far as uh, the nudity and sexuality and stuff. Uh, he, okay. uh, as far as the synopsis, he kind of bi- is a guy, a hitman, assassin, sort of, but not really. He builds weapons for them, um, and he's trying to kind of, obviously, like every movie, he's trying to quit, but they pull him back in for one more job before he does. And so, in the meantime, he's, uh, while he's building this special weapon, uh, he's hanging out in this Italian 
small town, and he starts falling, having a relationship with a local woman. Um, anyway, there is bits of action and assassin stuff thrown in here. Uh, there, uh, being the person that he is and being in the business that long, there's lots of people that want to kill him. So he, there are little bits of action scenes here and there, but this is... The best way I can describe it or prepare you for it is to go in thinking like 70s Italian kind of thriller. Where, you know, it's it's not super fast-paced. Just be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally... I'm, that's, I, I'm, I'm totally stoked for that one. I, that's one that I've been wanting to watch... And I, I just, I never got around to it, and you've talked about it, so get that great picture. So there you have it. Burial Ground, Knights of Terror, and the American. Gotcha. Uh, even, again, I can't help but make that little quip that I walked out of the theater and was like, boy, for a movie called The American, that's the most Italian movie I've seen in some time. And I think wow. the, the director is Anton Corbijn, I can't pronounce his name, C-O-R-B-I-J-N. And I believe he's American. I was pretty surprised. I figured this was this was an Italian guy. To tell you the yeah. truth, it has that much of a feel in the filmmaking. But cool. I, I mean, I like the way it was shot, the score, the acting. Clooney, uh, very quiet Clooney though. More like um, Clooney in the Solaris remake, where he, oh, nice. you know, where he's tempered. It's not. Yeah. It's not Ocean's Eleven. I'm fast talking Clooney. Hey, guy. It's it's somber Clooney. Cool. So anyway, um, okay. let's move on into Recently Watched, because okay. I have a bunch of stuff that I want to get to. And yeah, me too. Yeah. You do too. <laughs> Lead the way, Okay. So. Okay. Um, I'm going to, there are certain ones that I'm, I might just kind of breeze over real quick, just because, just for time. No problem. Um, I'm going to start with um, a, a movie that I watched on Netflix. Uh, that I just want to give a real quick shout out to because there's so much garbage on Netflix that every now and then you come across one that is definitely worth watching, um, and and it was one that I thought about throwing you uh, for a roulette pick, but I'm like, no, I'm just going to put it out there. If you want to watch it sometime, great. Uh, but for any of the listeners out there that may want to check out uh, a fairly well made little low budget movie, there's a movie right now called The Den that's on there, and. Um, uh, the found footage deal has been done to death, and this is kind of a found footage thing. Um, it's it's actually all like webcam based, the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, for what it was, it was really good. Um, now, was it webcam like My Little Eye, or was it webcam like just like Skype? Skype, uh, computers, phones, that. Okay. Um, and you have to. There's a little bit of suspension of of belief going on there, but the payoff is really good, and there's a really, really, really good uh, zinger in the end. the The end really makes the movie. Um, uh, but actually, the closest thing I could think of w- with the feel of it would be My Little Eye. It's not like My Little Eye, but it 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 has a little bit of that feel. But definitely, it was only like 75 minutes long. Definitely worth mentioning. Uh, it's it's actually quite creepy. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but at the very least, it's it's what I would consider that would be a gem in the rough. So, cool. I'll check it out. Um, yeah. Uh, I've got a couple here that I'm just going to skim over real quick. Uh, 
rewatched Immortals on Blu-ray with the wife. Oh. With Henry Cavill yeah. and um, Tarzan Singh was the director of that. Yeah. Um, and I had my reservations the first time around. I, I really liked it. I thought it, it uh, just going on memory, I thought it hit kind of a weird wall where it felt a little edited wrong or weird in the third act. And I hit that same wall again, man. Uh, when when they are facing off in the final, the start of the third act, and all these guys are charging at these guys. Rah! And, like, you need to remind everybody what they're fighting about because I forget. <laughs> uh-huh. And... It's still, it's. I love Tarzan Singh. I'm a huge fan of that guy. Uh, Me the, too. The Fall is going to be in my top 100, which I've also been working on. Um, yep. But, and and it's still a good movie. I give it a thumbs up very much, so I'm glad I have it on Blu-ray. It, it was a step down from The Fall. Uh, but still a decent movie worth checking out. Another one, um, I teased last episode on our coming soon topic. Uh, the Gospel According to Philip K. Dick, which was a documentary about the author Philip K. Dick, obviously. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. This one does not get a score because I didn't finish it. When I'm... Um, um, this looked like a public access production or a high school production. It was that low budget. It was that bad. It was just freaking poorly shot. How do you screw up the lighting on a guy sitting there doing an interview? How is the lighting that bad on just on those yeah. kinds of things? I know you know personally, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. your stuff looks like Chris Nolan compared to this garbage. Um, when the first five people, and it's one of those, you know, we're doing an interview about a dead guy, so they're interviewing lots of different people. Just cut, interview, cut, interview, cut, interview. When the first five people don't have anything new or interesting to say, I'm done. Like, yeah. it was, it was worthless. I, I didn't, I don't know. It, I could see from the production value and from the questions they were asking, you don't hear them ask the questions, obviously, one of those documentaries. You just hear the answers. What was he like? Or what do you think that his theory was of life and whatever? And their answers, I'm just like, I'm bored. I'm already bored. They're general and vague and, well, he was a philosopher at a different time and in the 70s they didn't have... Yeah, I got it. I, I know that. Anybody that knows anything about him knows that. So I tuned out no score on that movie. So you can feel free to skip that one. And the production value was painful to the eyeballs. Uh, there's two, um, but not really any real review. Uh, let me hit on The Colony real quick, and then I'll throw it back to you. Um, the Colony is with Lawrence Fishburne and Bill Paxton. Uh, apocalypse movie. Uh, Ice Age taking over the world, and uh, this colony is only in contact with one other colony of people living underground small groups and uh, they get a distress beacon from the other one other colony send a small team over and all things go bad from there on uh, this movie was I guess you know maybe my love of it comes from again my expectations but my expectations were based on the trailer and the trailer was very mediocre it was just Here's a post-apocalyptic ice age wasteland, and then oh, some stuff happens, and maybe there's a killer or something, and it, or maybe it's a disease. It was just very vague, and they didn't. Yeah. So I was just sort of, eh, I'm kind of interested, and since it was on Netflix, I'll check it out. This rocked. I I, I had so much fun with this movie. Uh, new ideas. It was it was fresh. 
uh, it was shot very well. The, the CGI was very decent. I'm not going to go yes. over the top and say, you know, it was mind-blowing, but they had these beautiful wide shots of the colony and the snow outside and, and oh, stuff I like that, that where there was, that. Yep. there was tons of CGI destruction in the background. You could tell it's CGI, but it was done very uh, good. I don't want to say great because it wasn't like Avatar or something like that, but it was done very well. It was like, wow, that's cool. Like, I, I'm still engaged. It wasn't piss poor. To where it pulled yeah. you out of the movie, and every, yeah, right. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, <clears throat> um, I I mean, Bill Pax and Lawrence Fishburne always usually always deliver. I mean, they delivered here in the in their capacity. I, the the dialogue wasn't uber cliche. The plot wasn't cliche. Uh, the enemy wasn't cliche. I dug all of that, and uh, as I told you, when it takes to the, I think this was an hour and forty five minute movie. And I told you when it when it takes to the hour and twenty minute mark for me to really pull out uh, a low budget negative, like oh, there you're showing your budget. That's pretty darn good. And yeah. at that hour and twenty mark, what was was a giant clash fight with uh, our enemy. I'm not going to spoil anything. Yep, I remember. And, and it was yep. like the fight was like, dude, come on, like <laughs> it just looked cheesy and very. Oh, now you hit me, now I hit you all. You know, it, it just didn't flow right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I give the, I don't want to say huge thumbs up, but I give, this was very solid. I was very surprised by this, and it was, I, I feel if there was any underperforming here, I don't know if it even got a theatrical release. No. But if there was any perform, underperforming here, I fully blame the marketing and the, whoever cut that trailer, man. That trailer made it look like a slow drama. I, I didn't get this vibe off it at all, and it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. I don't want to say it didn't show any money shots because we always bitch about it when the trailer has all the money shots. But you could have given a little bit of. Here's a shot that we did that looks beautiful, and you can tell the budget. You know. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I, no, I feel. Was, I feel like one that I I give that a big thumbs up too, and that was one that after watching it, I'm like, that was really a good movie. Like that was good enough that that should have had at least a limited theatrical release or something, but it, it shouldn't have been just relegated to, to Netflix or, you know. That, but. with all the crap that comes out in October, around horror time, you're telling me that this movie couldn't do good in October? At least pull enough yeah. bank to recoup some of its budget? Give me, I, I, even, I don't buy that. Yeah. yeah. I, or I even January. Was, I mean, this January has been dead. Yeah. And it's like, put something like that in there. You know, it, it, even if it makes 15, 20 million bucks, it's like, it's better than dumping it to Netflix, but whatever. I don't. Uh, I kept comparing it to Thirty Days of Night, and I don't know if that's because it's a snow. Winterland movie. It's same same with um, uh, the thing. I always tend to compare stuff to that when it's locked in a Winterland uh, scenario. Um, yeah. But I, I thought this was right on par with Thirty Days of Night. I mean, Thirty Days of Night looked like it cost more, so it you know had a was a little bit shinier. But I thought that. That was right on par with that. You know, if you like that movie, then you should definitely go check this out. It's definitely worth your time. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, um, well, you gave a, a newer movie, so I'm going to give a newer one, too. Um, I'm going to go with Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I, as you know, I'm a, I'm a complete whore for uh, horror movies. And I love the original Cabin Fever. Uh, the sequel was a joke, but let's give Cabin Fever Patient Zero a try. 
I like where this is um, going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and especially because it stars uh, one of the hobbits. Oh, what's his name? Uh, if it's uh, not Elijah Wood, it's not good. Uh, it's the chubby one. Um, oh, it's uh, Samwise Gamgee. Samwise, yes, he's he's the main guy, or kind of the main guy. He's patient zero. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, first things first, this has nothing to do with cabin fever. This is in name only. This is basically cashing in on a name. Um, so if you take that away from it and don't even think that this is this isn't a cabin fever movie. This is a group of fairly lame actors going to an island, and there's. A virus that this government agency is experimenting on with the uh, chubby hobbit guy, and <laughs> it gets it breaks loose, and it basically it's it turns everybody into these flesh dripping zombies, pretty much. Uh, so it to me is almost more like a Twenty Eight Days Later type of ripoff than Cabin Fever. Um, so removing Cabin Fever from the title, this actually was enjoyable for what it was. Uh, bad acting aside, it moved at a really good clip. And it was... It, all of the money... All of the money went for the special effects. It was all about... Let's just get a film crew to an island and just throw gore all over the screen. Because it was just disgusting. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure what else to say about it other than bad actors on an island running away from flesh-dripping infected things and... Samwise Gamgee is the monkey from Outfit. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's... he over. Oh, man. He overacts and it's... <laughs> but I... You, but you look, dark, you're, not, you're not selling me at all, man. You're, you're, I know, I the, know. The look on your face and the, the tone of your voice, you're like, this was a good movie? Like, like, <laughs> you're like trying to convince yourself. You're not selling yeah, me on it. Basically, yeah. Take away the uh, the insanely the, the special effects were really good. Take those out of this movie, and yeah, it would have been it would have been terrible. So there, the end. The review is now officially over. <laughs> okay, I'll quit pressing it on this. <laughs> yep. So we yeah, moving on. Okay. <laughs> um, three days to kill. Mm. Kevin Costner. You watched this yet? Not yet, but it's it's almost number one on my list. Okay. Okay. I have. Um, and again, maybe my expectations were ultra low because one of my uh, good buddies is a huge, as huge a Kevin Costner fan as I am. That's a wheelhouse thing. I grew up at a certain time and age. That was my post-apocalyptic guy. Uh, yeah. All credit to Mel Gibson and Mad Max, but I was a little young for those so uh, it was uh, Waterworld and Postman, and I, I love Kevin Costner. And he made a movie that will be very high on my top 100, uh, Dances with Wolves. That guy, legend, legend. So him as an assassin, and the trailer sold it as super-duper action-packed. I'm, I'm game. Sure, I'm in. That looks cool. Um, and this was... Passable. My buddy absolutely hated it. I mean, he said he was furious when he walked out of the theater, and that uh, he said even in talking to me about it, he was getting mad. <laughs> so he yeah, absolutely hated it. So, so my expectations were kind of like, oh, okay, this is probably going to be bad. And I, I liked it. I dug it. It might even be one that you could watch with the wife. Like it was, um, 
you know, that uh, Taken... What was the one after Taken? Uh, man, we talked about Taken a lot this episode. Um, I know. The one with John Travolta that he made after Taken. What was that? Where he was all shaved uh, and goatee and... Oh, um, that was a good movie. Uh, in, in Paris. From something, Paris with Love. Paris with Love, I think, yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. You know, in that vein, like, right under those, you know, like, so it's okay. Like, I, I was entertained the whole way through. I was never like, oh, I should turn this off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but at the same time, I'm going, all right. Yeah. I will say this, though. McGee and the direction, god-awful. That guy can't direct I, that. It was terrible. Like his direction, like and so you're watching a scene and you go, oh, I might have tried that from a different angle or, yeah, maybe you might have gone for another take there. Not him. Eh, go charge. One, go, we got it. Cut print. Yeah, there were a couple of scenes, especially towards the end, where you're like, why, dude? Like, and it was small stuff. It wasn't like huge plot twisty stuff where you're like that uh, that just ruined the whole movie it was just little yeah. things where you're like that was another scene worth giving another shot on cut that line that line was terrible why would you throw that line but these this was a handful of instances throughout okay this wasn't like deal breaker stuff yeah. um as far as plot synopsis uh, assassin pulled in cia one last mission blah blah blah, blah. It's, it's nothing you haven't heard a billion times before but yeah. um, family-wise, I think that you would... In, a family... I, another theory I've been working on lately is um, once you're married and have kids, you watch movies differently. And yeah. it's not because your wife is sitting there or because the kids are sitting there. It's because you think differently about things. Um, so when you have a guy who's married and has a kid, you are maybe a little more sympathetic to some of the things that he's dealing with or working on and blah, Um. And I think that very much applies here. As a single person, I would have been very annoyed by this movie. But as a married guy with kids, I, I kind of understood what he was dealing with. And, you know, the young girl and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It, maybe that's a stupid, convoluted theory, but um, <clears throat> it affects me. That's one that I thought of. And, and, and you watching it, you may absolutely hate it. And if you do, don't get mad at me. I, it's not going to affect me one way or the other. It's It's not one where I'm like, you gotta see this! But if you're looking for a little bit of action assassin flair that the wife would probably be eh, okay with, Three Days to Kill. Yeah, yeah. that that was definitely one when I saw it. I'm like, eh, it got so-so reviews. It did so-so in theaters. But I'm like, yeah, that's probably one that I'll watch during the week sometime. Have a couple hours. Don't know what else to watch. Perfect. That's so The best way to describe it? Painless. Gotcha. Yep, I know exactly which. The, what the worst thing I think about. you would suffer from this is indifference. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's no blood surf. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna real quick hit on Woodstock. Um, watch the Blu-ray director's cut of this monumental documentary Woodstock, um, and five out of five stars is what I gave it. Um, and I'm by no means a hippie, uh, but for a historical significant time in American history, that movie was amazing. I mean, I, I, something about it made me feel like, okay, I feel like I was, I, I was had a little, a little viewpoint into that huge event and it was very good. And the music, I, it's, you know, hippie jam band type stuff, but 
most of the music, other than a one or two songs, I'm like, all right, this kicks ass. This is good. Um, but what a chaotic three days of peace, love, harmony, and music, and drugs, and Chaos. sex. And yeah. So, <clears throat> Excuse me. It was really good. I, 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 I really liked it. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I remember reading when that Blu-ray set came out, and I was very envious. I was like, man, that's one of those Blu-ray sets that I'll probably never be able to afford. Because it's so freaking cool. I'm glad you got a deal on it because then I can borrow it from you. Yes, and I want you to because <laughs> I, I really think that you would enjoy it. No, I, I, I very much want to see it. And, and 70s music, me and my wife would have no problem watching that. I mean, it would probably take us uh, two weeks <laughs> to watch the well, we, four-hour four hour documentary. Two but... days. And Joni, I, I thought, oh, she's not going to last five minutes in this. And she was totally into it. She was like, this is pretty good. And by the time it was done, she was like, I wouldn't mind watching some of the special features on that, too. See, my, so my, that was cool. My wife's got some so. hippie in her, so she, it, this would be an easy for her to watch. Uh, but yeah. I do want you to go on record <clears throat> with me and saying Janis Joplin sucks, please. Uh, hers was the worst performance of the entire four-hour documentary. Thank Easily. you. Easily. I, I mean, yes. I'm all for her, woman power, go women. I, I love all of that stuff. Your voice sucks. The end. Yeah. That's all I want to say, just so that there's another human being on Earth that agrees with me on that, because yes. God forbid you go on the internet and say something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, the, the, there were so many great performances on that. Um, of course, Jimi Hendrix and The Who and... Uh, I love Crosby, The Who. Oh. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, Nash. They uh, actually, they after they performed, they were like, we are scared shitless. This is the second time we've ever performed in front of a live audience, ever. And I'm like, what? That's amazing. Still, what? So it's like, yeah, that's right. This was back in the late 60s. Yeah. So anyway, so that, enough about Woodstock. I'm going to real quick hit on Transporter, then back to you. Uh, Transporter Part 2 was a piece of shit. Back to you. review from last episode stands then okay yes. right? okay yeah i'm sorry but i don't care what happened before it that car flip at the end to knock the bomb off with the hanging chain thing <clears throat> is so stupid that whatever i don't care what happened before it i'm out i'm out <laughs> oh and the plane crashed head first into the water and he's not in a seatbelt, but he jumps into the air and miraculously he survived oh it was oh my god oh Come on, this is 85 minutes of... Did you get the full 80... set? So do you have Transformers 3? Because... Uh, I just have the first two. Okay, that sucks. Because we had a bit of a conflict when Transporter... Uh, I said Transformers, sorry. When Transporter 3 came out, because I told you, oh, my review of it was like, oh, hey, not bad. At least it's better than the second one. And you were like, you were very down on that movie. Oh, I I'm... remember I hated part three. Well... I'm curious what you think of it now. I, I haven't seen it since the theater, but I remember thinking, well, it certainly was a step up from part two. So, Interesting. Okay. I am very curious well, if you get around to rewatching that. Let me know. I will, yeah. And I'm guessing we both agree that the first, I haven't rewatched the first one recently, but I, I've watched it numerous times, and every time I watch it, it's, it's mindless fun. I enjoy it. There, there is a theme with all three of those movies. They have an extremely annoying, cliche female lead yes all of them all of them have that the second one just happens to be the worst 
The third one, the annoyingly, she's so, they're just, they're not bad. They're just very annoying. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, just, Wasn't there a just shut up. Shut up. The first one of yes. Yeah. Who, who had uh, struggled very, uh, struggled very much with English as I stutter mm-hmm. to get out English and I was born and raised in it. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to do a, also a quick hit and a half and then we're going to get into filth. Um, okay. Documentary I watched, The Galapagos Affair. Satan comes came to Eden. Uh, this is a documentary about some people who moved to the Galapagos Islands in the early 30s or so, I believe. Um, and uh, they were just kind of... Um, oh, it, it, it's kind of tough to describe. This is very much a documentary documentary. Uh, and that is, it is just very stoic and um i have told you before documentaries should be boring like people get all caught up on oh it's a documentary it's boring it's a documentary it's supposed to be giving you facts and information it's supposed to be a little boring if you're wow i was totally entertained by that movie then yeah you should be watching transformers or some shit because that's not what a documentary is meant to be they can be entertaining but it depends on the subject matter for example if you're watching uh uh, riding giants, that way, uh, big surfer, big wave yeah, surfer documentary, that was good. which is also in my top 100. Um, then yes, that's going to be entertaining. If you're watching capturing the Freedmen's, which is about pedophilia, uh, pedophilia, it's not going to be happy go fun time whatsoever. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned capturing the Freedmen's is because this is very much in that vein. And it's very much... It, it, this might be the best documentary I've seen since Capturing the Freedmen's. Wow. Which I, capturing the Freedmen's really? was really good. I really love that movie. But I think that the documentaries are supposed to be like that. So if you're not into that, you're not going to like it as much. Um, but this was about... Again, synopsis, sorry. Uh, kind of like in the 30s, there were a couple of descendants that were like, I hate all this community and bullshit and taxes and whatever. I'm going to go find me an island. I'm going to I'm going to do Danny Boyle's The Beach. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go set up my own little world and screw everybody. So this couple goes and does that, and then soon this French duchess comes and says, well, I'm emperor now, and I'm going to set up over here with my man-slaves. And she sets up down the way. Yada, yada, yada. Murders ensue. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It's a it, it, but it was a very interesting documentary. Now the whole island is populated, but they had they had a great commentary, much like the beach and another movie that is wildly hated that I love. Um, I love them. Me too. But yeah. it, same similar commentary. You can't go somewhere new that you've heard of because if you heard of it, then it's not somewhere new. And these people are trying to escape to their Eden. That's why it says the subtitle, Satan came to Eden. They were trying to set up their Eden, but what they forgot was that it takes a lot of work, and you got to survive, and you got to live, and you got to, you know, eat meat once in a while, and hunt wild pigs and chickens and stuff that you don't, you know, if you don't normally want to do, you're going to have to do it to survive. So they had to uh, do all kinds of manner of things, and then when other people came a-knocking, Free Island. What are you going to do? One thing led to another, and I, I, I I'm, I'm of two minds because I don't want to push this movie on you too much per se because I don't know that you'd like it. You might, you, uh, you go either way. 
if you're okay. looking for a to, uh, a very uh, clinical, that's the best way to describe it, a very clinical documentary, give it a, give it a try because it has a lot of beach the beach um, currents in it. Okay. Uh, as far as those themes and undertones of finding paradise, but it's not paradise. One could go so far as to say that Alex Garland, the author of The Beach, uh, stemmed everything from it. And it, it, there has never been a story, a true story, more riper for a P.T. Anderson movie that I've ever seen. It just mm, has wow. that It has that feel. No, wait a minute. My, is that my right Anderson? Uh, uh, there will be blood? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Just making yes. sure I got my right Anderson. Too many Andersons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, the documentary, I don't want to say the documentary had that feel, but the story has that feel. Where you could just Gosh. see him doing that, like with what was his last one called with uh, Seymour Hoffman? Oh, the Master. It has it just has that kind of feel to it. It's hard to explain, but the story itself has that feel to it. And while I'm watching it, I'm going, "Come on, what's the point? Get to it!" But all of the information that they're giving you in the first half has purpose to the stuff that happens in the second half. So it's it's like it's almost like an episode of CSI or something. Or Law and Order, you know what I mean? It's it's very clinical. It's it, this is not gotcha. riding uh, giants. <laughs> Got. Gotcha. But if you're looking, if you're like I'm in kind of in the mood for a documentary, it's on Netflix. Give it a spin, man. I I I I've been thinking about it a lot today. I I'm really digging it. So. Was it a newer documentary or? Is... Uh, 2013. Yes. Okay. Uh, but right. the way this documentary was put together is the complete opposite of the way that Philip K. Dick one was. This was pristine in its construction and it it as far as i can tell the creators kept their opinions out of it it was just fact 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 people involved gotcha. fact fact news stories real real to real footage uh, of the people from the 30s doing this stuff it, it yeah again woodstock slice of history yeah but it was just yeah. this instead of woodstock with the billion or however many thousand ten thousand people there it was you know ten or a dozen or however many people actually were there and it, i don't know the construction of it was just excellent that's exactly what i look for in a documentary uh and then yeah, uh, and, and actually now that you know now that you say that woodstock was like that too because woodstock was it was they were they during the concert it was called it as a, they had pronounced it a disaster area because of what was going on but the documentary itself paints it as just neither bad nor good. It's just this is what went on for three days, and this is what led up to it, and this is how it looked afterwards. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a, wasn't that a groovy, awesome, cool time. It was, yeah. you know, it ends on a look at this mess that's left here. But it's just so it was like, and that's this the is way that, that's history. the way documentaries should be, in my opinion. That's the way documentaries should be. Here are the facts. Yeah. Here's what happened. Like a news story. Like a news story yeah. from the 50s where they actually didn't put opinion into it. It's okay if you put opinion into it, but be clear. This is my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. That's where I get frustrated with Michael Moore. I, and granted, he's made some good stuff, but I, that's where I get frustrated with him where he throws things in there that are opinion and he does it in such a way as to present it as fact, and people just take, oh, he said that, therefore it's true. And it's, well, eh, there's a gray area. He, what he's saying is his opinion. 
Yeah. And that's where I get Welcome to the, welcome to news media. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, let me throw on a uh, real quick tag. Uh Age of Tomorrow. Did you see this on Netflix? Just popped up? Uh I looked at it and I went on IMDb and I saw the production company and said, "No, thank you." Oh, I pushed play on it. it uh, okay, so sunlight breaks through the clouds and onto some Incan temple and the bad things start to happen to the locals and I'm like, sounds kind of cool i'll give it a shot and i press play and it said the asylum presents and i turned it off back to you <laughs> yep and i you you got farther than i did i went on imdb i'm like oh asylum pictures done delete <laughs> <laughs> okay well should we it's already uh we should probably wind this start winding okay, it down a little let's, bit. okay let's go to filth okay i'll let you go first okay Filth. Um, so I'm gonna read. I'm just gonna read what my review was of that movie. Um, wow. Yeah, I gave it one star. I hated this movie. Fairly competently made, but frustrating and in the end pointless. Take Bad Lieutenant and cross it with Train Spotting, then make it not remotely interesting, and you have this movie about a cop that does all sorts of bad things. Why? I guess because his wife left him, question mark? I have no clue. I wanted to like this, but what a letdown. So there was my initial, immediate thoughts after watching it. Okay. Uh, and I watched this movie, and my initial thought after watching this was, how in the world did Eugene not like this movie? Because the, everything in this movie screams Eugene. Uh, main guy is a total a-hole, and he's surrounded by a-holes, and... He's just doing crazy, insane stuff, and it's funny. And I cannot figure out why this movie didn't click with you. And I'm really bummed that it didn't. And I'm not sitting here going masterpiece or anything. Uh, I'm not going to make my top 100, but um, I should eat and grin the whole time. I, I don't know. I, I totally got into it, and he's conniving. Uh, uh, he's trying to get this promotion. So he's conniving and steering all of these people to distract from the promotion so that he can get it, so that he can get yeah. to the front of it. And he just will do any drug and screw anybody and anything that he can do to get her get through. And then it, yeah, goes from bad to worse. But, oh, but just, oh, just the whole... Did you did you lose a kid? Did he not? And it just all of a sudden it goes from black comedy to depressing drama. That by the midway point, and then he's cross dressing, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, we're talking split personality disorder crossed with uh, bad lieutenant. I mean, uh, bad lieutenant isn't a happy movie. It's depressing as hell. But I believe that I know, and I and if, I think that's a five star movie. I, and if I'm if I'm not this. wrong. I, I could be wrong. I need to look this up, but I think Filth the novel existed before Bad Lieutenant. So probably there's a good chance. Yeah. So if so, Bad Lieutenant would almost be a ripoff. But <laughs> at any rate, um, notwithstanding, then then you got these little bits that um, where you see an animals, uh, and I thought that that was just so Takeshi Mike or Mike, however you say his name. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was so that like. Uh, um, Man, I don't know, dude. I just thought it was almost like little slices of horror thrown in there. Because a couple of times it happened, literally made me jump. And it was creepy. All of a sudden, the guy he's talking to has a pig's head. And it looks realistic. Yeah. It's not fake. I don't know. 
Uh, This is one that I think down the road you might want to give another shot to because, man, dude, I really liked this movie. And I thought, and and again, I came out of it thinking, that is a Eugene movie. Like, I'm serious. (laughs) Did it hit you on a bad day? For me, that that second act, I'm like, ah, all of a sudden now it's getting dark. And I'm like, and and like, something about Bad Lieutenant. I thoroughly enjoyed watching his it's because, horrible downward spiral. Because it's, it's because it's set in the 80s. And, and like Goodfellas and everything is acceptable in the 80s until we get to that 90s barrier where everything turns to shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And this movie takes place more present day, so it's harder to let it flow, let it fly. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, something about like yeah, those are like yeah, Goodfellas, Casino, all those. Now Casino obviously had some redemption in it, but yeah, those types of movies, I am totally for. But something, and even Train Spotting, um, but something about this, I don't know. Why, I this was does, frustrated yeah. by the time I'm, I'm like, thank God this is finally done. Oh, I couldn't believe that, man. I, like yeah. I was stunned watching the movie. I was like, how did Eugene not like this? I I, yeah, I, I don't want to cool. say I loved it, but. A solid eight for me, man. Like, I really, really dug it. I was, uh, anyway, that's a fine. I'm not going to beat you up over it, though. It's a, obviously a very divisive movie. It's very yeah. weird and uh, <laughs> lots yeah. of uh, pigs and cattle heads, and it's very strange. But the the best I could do is uh, Irvin Welsh novel via Takeshi Mike type directing. I mean, it's yeah. very dark and weird and strange and inexplicable, but then... Uh, and I, there's no redemption. Actually, at the the very end, I don't want to get too spoilery, but he was teetering yep, in the I shadows, and and I was like, oh, oh no 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 no, this has to happen. And then it he looked at the screen because he breaks the fourth wall a few times, and he looked yeah, at the screen he and he said, oh, same rules apply, and and it happened. And I was like, oh, good, because it has to go that way for me to be happy. Because <laughs> if it didn't, I. I Yes, yes. It, if it hadn't gone that way, I would have. I wouldn't have been happy. For for Just him, because because for him, I didn't. I uh, there shouldn't be redemption. But that's yeah. my twisted point of view. And again, yeah. you'll catch me next pod. I'll be screaming about there was no redemption for this character. <laughs> but in this but, instance, but, he didn't deserve it, and I didn't want him to get it. No, he didn't at all. At, at all, but. Did he lose a kid? Did he not? I don't know. No, he saw him. She saw. He saw him in the in the supermarket, at the end. Yeah. The wife and kid left him. Because it was they a little were, boy they, that he kept on seeing. And there was a little girl in the very end. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, it was a little boy he kept seeing. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Like every now and then he'd see this dirty little boy in his imagination. Like, is that his kid? Oh no, I assume that was a kid that he shot or something. Oh, he was just a scumbag. Oh, one hundred and ten thousand <laughs> percent—the scummiest scumbag ever. I mean, him and Bad Lieutenant would hang out, but then Harvey Keitel would get all naked and shake his wiener around, <laughs> crying, <laughs> start crying, and this guy would have just been like, "Ah, oh, I gotta go somewhere else." I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, blue. Yeah, bad, bad Lieutenant. This is not, but. <laughs> And I'll, I'll even go along with you that it has a little trouble making up its mind of which genre it's going to be, whether it's black comedy, dark thriller. Yeah. It ma- meshes the lines, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I still thought this was such a Eugene movie. I, I, 
Anyway. No, I know. I'll probably knowing me, I'll give it another chance at some point or another. But please do, just, I, please do. And it, I, I wouldn't even push it on you. I'm just again, I'm not saying nine or something. I'm saying like seven, eight. You know, I'm saying no, no, decent. Yeah, no, and looking back at what I had just watched before that, I had just watched Young Sherlock Holmes, which was not good, um, and Rage, which was even less good. And another uh, movie called Alien 2 on Earth that was not good. So I had a string of not good movies. Uh, the last good movie I watched was Django, the original Django, uh, which was actually, I think I watched that before our last podcast. So yeah. it had been almost a week, um, not quite a week, that I'm like, oh, come on. I. Well, and I do want to make it clear that my review of Filth had nothing to do with my re with blood surf because that was a blind roulette and we yeah I, a little history we do tend to uh <laughs> fall into the groove of oh you made me watch this you a-hole now i go on to the next thing that we you didn't like this and then i'm like i love it i'm gonna take the opposite stance that doesn't apply here because no blood surf was not your pick per se that was my pick of the choices you gave me, but they were all blind. You hadn't seen any yeah. of those. If it was one, if you were telling me Blood Surf, awesome, go watch it, and I watched it, then, then maybe that would have. Then we would have some conflict of interest on filth, but <laughs> that really truly didn't apply. Yeah, I even questioned myself: Am I just liking this because he made me watch Blood Surf? No, no, because you didn't make me. I picked that one. Okay, <laughs> let's get real quick. Let's touch on our coming soon, and then we're gonna be done. Okay. And our special super-duper hour-and-a-half show. Okay, uh, Netflix recently added another wine documentary, and I'm a sucker for uh, documentaries and booze. So, uh, A Year in Burgundy. I'll be watching real quick. Um, the Sacrament. Yes! Finally yes. added to Netflix. Can't wait. Great you gave up. that huge thumbs up. Ty West. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Oscar winner Silver Linings Playbook was added, so I'm going to check. I added that to my list. I'm checking that off the list for next pod. And I'm going to really try and watch your Invaders from Mars that you were talking about last time. You should. I mean, I, I'm it, going to. It, I actually I started a little bit today, and I was like, eh. Then the can logo came up, and I was like, ah. And then it went <laughs> into the acting, and I was like, eh. And then yeah. some of the special effects started, and I was like, ah. So I'm, I'll probably give that a whirl, but I'll watch at least two of those four. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I'm planning on um, – actually, I am planning on a couple Blu-rays on top of the uh, the roulette. I got a movie called Juggernaut. Right here it is. Starring Omar Sharif. Richard Harris. And Richard Harris. Excellent. Um, uh, and it's made in 1974, and I – it gets unanimously good reviews. It was made in the disaster picture yes. era of like Avalanche and Meteor and uh, Towering, Towering Inferno, Inferno yeah. Poseidon Adventure, and it's a British movie, and it gets fantastic What's about? reviews. And I, I, I got it. Uh, I got it. What's the juggernaut? Uh, the juggernaut. Ship? A ship? Yeah, it's, it's about an ocean liner that uh, there's this terrorist that plants bombs all over the ship. And threatens to detonate the bombs unless something or other happens. Um, but it sounds good. Uh, it looks like a good wife movie, uh, and I'm that I can't looks wait like, to watch that, that looks like a good uh, roulette movie, sir. You could throw that. Ah. <laughs> that looks right up my alley. Richard Harris is awesome, and yeah. '70s disaster flick. Hell yeah! 
Yeah, Omar Sharif, and yeah. And then the second one is a movie called The Battle of Algiers. You got the criterion of that. Oh, man. That's a criterion. Yeah, that's a criterion bad boy there. And this is another one that I got. This was the same guy that sold me the Woodstock movie, sold me this as well for 15 bucks. And this is that's the major. Blu- I mean, is that the Blu-ray a, set? This is the Blu-ray set right oh, here. Oh, man. It, 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 okay. Uh, now, is that uh, really long or really short? This is a two-hour movie. It's uh, I'm going to read the back real quick here. One of the most influential political films in history, Battle of Algiers, um, vividly recreates a key year in the uh, tumultuous Algerian struggle for independence from the occupying French in the 50s. As violence escalates on both sides, children shoot soldiers at point-blank range, women plant bombs in cafes, and French soldiers resort to torture to break the will of the insurgents. Shot on the streets of Algiers... In documentary style, the film is a case study of modern warfare with its terrorist attacks and brutal techniques used to combat them. Um, it's got, it's, it says here, astonishing relevance today. And so for 15 bucks, I'm like, it's a, it's Criterion. It was, I, hey, if you can get, a, like, if you can get a DVD Criterion for 15 bucks, you're usually making a good deal. Getting yes. that thing on Blu-ray, that is on nearly every top 100 list that I come across. And if nothing else, that is a checklist film. I yes. haven't I haven't seen it, but that's just, just because I haven't had the uh, ability. <laughs> yeah. Usually, it's these kind of uh, explicit art uh, films are only available Criterion, and it's super expensive. And it's oh, Criterion's are so expensive. And this guy is liquidating his entire Blu-ray set. I uh, I was one. Uh, text or not text one private message away from getting seven samurai uh criterion for 15 dollars blu-ray the extended or the regular There's it was the uh, just like the criterion it was and it was in a case like this where it's like it had a big booklet with it and there's there's uh, a because they found a bunch of footage and added it and it, there's because there's an extended version now anyway I, i'm not sure yeah yeah but it was it was seven, seven samurai blu-ray for 15 bucks i'm like oh man i yeah. So. Anyway. Well, I look forward to your view of the uh, Algiers battle. Thing. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I have, that's one I haven't seen, and it's it's definitely a checklist. So you have heard of that movie, then? Oh, very much so. I've I've wanted a version to come to Netflix or to be cheap, and I haven't seen it. So yeah. I actually uh, was surfing around on Netflix and found um, not Criterion versions, but a few movies that are available Criterion only. Uh, that are actually on their battleship Potankman. Oh yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I thought, man, I need another checklist. I need to watch. So uh, yeah. that that movie would definitely fall under that. Anything else when you're coming soon? Um, those are the main ones. And then um, if if you and I are able to go watch uh, Tusk, that's another one that um, we are going to go gonna watch be... Tusk this week. Yeah, and I'm hearing that... extremely divisive reviews of that. It seems like me too. It seems like. People that are indifferent on Kevin Smith are like, wow, thumbs up. And people that hate Kevin Smith are like, I hated this movie. <laughs> uh. But but the people that are seem indifferent on him are seem to be giving it all positive. So I don't know. I That dude uh, has a magnet for haters like I've never seen. At uh, the very least, I dig what he's doing, and it's playing in a theater right up the road from me, so I... I, I, I I'm a fanboy of the man, not the movies. 
Uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoy most of the movies, but I'm not one of those nerd fanboys online going, everything he does is great! And yeah. you are you suck if you like... Anyway, well, I digress. Let's wrap this yeah. up. We've, we're okay. way too long. Um, anything else to add, sir? Uh, no, next episode, I really would like to hit on... Um, on uh, I, I just watched Friday the 13th, the final chapter, and I know that, you know... Yeah, we talk about slashers all the time, but I would like to discuss about how... Um, there was the slasher boom of the early 80s and how it transformed as the 80s went on and basically the cutoff, like the cutoff to where you can see a shift in the styles from 84 to 85 was there, like it was just like a Y in the road. All of a sudden, the classic was done and the hair metal 80s horror began. And I, so I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because we've watched a lot of the same 80s slasher sure. type horror movies. Um, I think that would be fun to discuss a little bit about how, like, some of the earlier 80s versus the later 80s, the differences and what made them what they were. Absolutely. So. We can totally do that. That sounds like a fantastic tease for the next episode. Gotcha. Uh, until then, you can get a hold of us at MovieFreaksPod at Yahoo.com with any topics, questions, anything at all you want us to uh, discuss or review. And that's it for this episode. I'm Eric Warner. I'm Eugene Weaver. And see you next time. Thank you.